All right, we are good to go. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here. Muchas gracias. Um, we're going to go ahead and start with who we are, what is Noche Galactica, and then we're going to dive in into a little bit of our stories, and hopefully you can take some tools with you. Um, hopefully our story resonates with a lot of you here, um, and take it back to your schools or whatever setting you work at, and kind of connect with the youth. Um, but yeah, you want to go ahead and start and tell us who you are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so once again, good morning, everyone. Thank you, thank you for definitely being here. Uh, my name is Areli, and for the last decade, I have been an educator and a mentor in Oakland, California. Uh, currently, I support families in navigating school systems, uh, difficult, sometimes inequitable school systems, uh, particularly right now in the area of enrollment and being able to receive and acquire services, uh, not only for the student, but for the families as well. Thank you, thank you. Uh, my government name is Christian Martinez. Um, I come from East Oakland. I'm the co-founder um, of Latitude High School, uh, co-founder of Noche Galactica Podcast Magazine, and I'm also the founder of Camino Program, which is getting ready to launch in the next year or so. We're going to talk more about that at the end. But now we're going to dive in into our Noche Galactica. What is Noche Galactica? Where it was born? Noche Galactica is a podcast that was born in 2018. Uh, shout out to my best friend is back in East Oakland. Um, we started recording our conversations because we had little to no access to therapy, super expensive. So we started to record our sessions inside a car in the middle of East Oakland. We would just sit down and talk about our work. We are both educators and we were just like, yo, our, our job as educators is super hard. Can we just unpack what's going on? So one day we decided to bring microphones into the car and started recording our sessions and then we uploaded it to uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and then we started to connect with other folks that were in the similar vein. And then Noche Galactica was born. The name is in Spanish, Noche stands for night. Galactica is galactic. So we record our sessions under the stars because that's why we elevate in community. Thank you. Yeah, I've definitely had the privilege of being in a couple episodes. Um, and for me, it was definitely a space to start my healing. Uh, at the time, I actually was, uh, I had tried, you know, seeing, uh, seeking mental health, uh, but I just wasn't able to connect. And so uh, Noche Galactica for me became a space into being able to become vulnerable and to, and to speak my truth. I think sometimes it was so suppressed that I just didn't even see it as a truth. And so it was definitely a, a space for me. And I definitely thank you. Thank you for that, for setting the tone, setting the space. And I can see many of us that have been in that uh, podcast have been able to start our healing journey. Sure, no, thank you for being there. Now we're gonna go ahead and start. Um, I'm the host of Noche Galactica. I go by Poeta Galactico because I come from my space. Growing up, I was told I was an alien when I came to this country because my undocumented status. Uh, so I took that persona and turned into an artist. I am an artist, I am a poet. Uh, and you're gonna be hearing a lot of that throughout the session. If throughout our stories you hear something that resonates with you, give us some snaps because we elevate with that energy. Um, it's definitely, I'm super excited to be here. I'm also a little bit nervous uh, because throughout our whole life, as you're going to see in our, in our story, uh, a lot of people didn't give us a chance to be here in spaces like this. So we are here redefining success, which is a topic that we're going to talk about. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, definitely the energy is needed. Um, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and just uh, dive into uh, success. Why, why redefining success? Uh, what we have seen in our workspace, uh, workplaces, uh, 
career as well as personal life, um, and in the youth and the communities that we support. For sure. And right now, uh, I was in a lot of sessions, and they were talking about pathways, workforce, youth development, all these different words that when I was sitting there, we, uh, one of the homies, Edgar, is in the building, we were, we were just watching people talk about this, like if it was like a new thing, right? And I'm just like, what is going on here, yo? Like, I looked at him, I was like, mm, what, is that? what does that mean? And then I started thinking, they're talking about pathways, workforce, let's talk about systemic violence, because that's why all this is happening. And then we're gonna dive in into success. A lot of people talk about this line of success. I really talk to us. What, what you see in this visual here? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I think we are all very familiar with this image, right? And I think it's been like, uh, very, very common to talk about it, right? And we talk about like, we think it's linear, but actually there's so many struggles that we overcome. However, that end point, that end address in the GPS uh, is always the similar one and the similar path, right? You must uh, graduate high school, start applying, start getting internships and, and so that you can go to a college and try to get straight into a four-year university. Community college has a, cliche, uh, a stigma to it. And so like these paths and these conversations uh, tend to be not very inclusive. And most of all, they do not honor the cultural beliefs of each of the individual families that we work with. And so what we started to see in our workplace is like, how, how do we have very honest conversations, uh, sometimes difficult for some, and how do we empower others who might not have had a similar journey as ours to feel comfortable into speaking outside of the norm of going to college or finding a one-way path? And so when we look at these pictures, I looked at it, and the first time I'm like, I feel like I never actually got to that pinpoint. Um, sorry, I don't think the laser works on the TV. But I don't think I actually got to that like linear pinpoint. I feel like my life just kept going until this day, even as I advocate for the communities that we work with, I continue to see it, right? Like, it's just, it's just a, a constant thing. Um, yeah, I don't know how, what you yeah, think about that image. No, I, I feel like, and again, we're going to jump into our stories in a little bit, and you're going to see what we're talking about. But I feel like most of my life, I've been living in that, lack of a better term, crazy world, which is between those lines of going up and down, not having this linear path. And for the longest, I was just so confused about my life, because I was like, why is it that my peers are just in this linear path, or it looked like they were in this linear path? So when I was about 17... I decided to just make the best out of that craziness, and we're gonna jump in into our stories right now. So we're gonna jump in here. Like I told you at the beginning, I am a poet, I am an artist, so I'm gonna open up with a piece that is really connected to who I am, uh, and then I'm gonna dive into my story, okay? I come from DP Stokeland, so this is how we do it out here. I'm the pug, no degrees, had a fake ID when I was just 13 because I was trying to eat. Hit the liquor store for three meals and the DBs, no drive-ins, more like drive-bys. Like I said, my government name is Christian Martinez. I was born in Uruapa, Michoacán, Mexico. I come from an indigenous tribe. It's called Purepecha. And I came to the U.S. when I was 10 by my mama's hand. I hopped the border. I was here undocumented until the age of 25. I'm 34 now. When I was... When I hopped the border by my mama's hand and ended up in Tucson, Arizona, we were in an RV for about a week until my dad paid the, the sum for us to move to Oakland. I didn't know we were in this journey to a new country. I didn't know I was even undocumented. I just knew that we were coming to see my dad. I haven't seen my dad in a really long time, so I was just really excited to get to see him again. Uh, so we took a journey from 
Arizona all the way to Oakland. And in this process, I was just 10, so I didn't know the language. I was a newcomer. I went to schools. Um, the school was in like a dual emergent school. It was, everything was English. Uh, so I would come home with a lot of headaches. Um, I just remember my mom telling me, you just got to learn the language and you're going to be okay. So it took me about two years for me to learn the language. And then I became the point, the point person for my parents to like order food at fast food restaurants and be like the translator of like, what you want, let me tell them. So I started to grow up really fast. Um, I, was super, I was super shy when I was growing up, especially coming to a new country, not knowing the language. I always became super aware of people's reactions, just facial expressions, because I just didn't know the language, so I was just reading people. Um, I grew up in East Oakland, and I, I don't know if people are familiar with East Oakland, but it's a beautiful place, because also, it's also really tough. Um, I love it. I love it there because it made me who I am. Um, and I, I call myself, I'm the brown boy that came from the mud because it's, it's difficult coming out of there. But I'm here today. Moving on, in my high school years, this is what systemic violence really took place in my life when I, when I go back to my high school years. I came to the ninth grade knowing a little bit of English. Um, and one night, I, come, I was coming from my friend's house and I ended up getting shot right below my knee uh, while I was riding my bike in East Oakland. I was undocumented at the time. I had no health insurance. Um, and I was really scared to call the police because I didn't know how they were going to react. And I also thought they were going to deport me back home. So I ended up getting shot. Uh, the people that helped me out called the police. The police never got there. The ambulance never got there. So one of my friends ended up taking me to um, Kaiser Permanente. Uh, they kept me there for only four hours. They gave me some morphine. And they said, you don't have no insurance, so we can really, like, can keep you here. So I ended up going back home. At the time, my mom uh, and my dad were in Mexico. Um, so I was really, really depressed. Um, I'm in bed for like six months. I really wanted to become a professional dancer growing up. But when I got shot, I felt like those dreams kind of just diminished. And then the following year, my dad and my mom came to the country. Um, my dad suffered from a mus uh, muscular dystrophy, which his all his muscles just gave out. So a year after that, my dad ended up passing away. Um, so at that point, I decided to drop out of high school. And I said, I just got to support my mom and became the main support of income for the family. Um, I started to work all jobs under the sun. I was a dishwasher. I was construction. I was working at Taco Bell. I was working every spot that you can think of. And I was creating my own narrative of success now looking back. I was so confused of my peers graduating high school and going to colleges when I knew that maybe that wasn't a path that wasn't designed for me. I ended up going back to high school, graduating, and then I tried to apply to community college and they tagged me with out of country fees because my legal status in the country. I sent emails, and this is in California. I sent emails, I'm, I'm reaching out to people. I was like, yo, what's going on? How can I get access to this higher education? At that point, I went back home and I decided that I told myself, Christian, forget about higher education. You will create your own path in a different way. I was only 17, and I was just like, this is crazy that I'm really trying to access education in the country that's supposed to be freedom for all, but I feel so like in a box. <sighs> education doesn't only live within the walls of an institution. So in that moment, I decided to just mimic whatever my peers were doing that were going to college. They were reading books, they were understanding. 
to this point, like when I was 18 at this time, I had never fully written a book. So the first thing I did, I was like, yo, everybody be pulling up to Barnes and Nobles. Let, let me go real quick. So I ended up going, grabbing my coffee. It was my first time there. And then I'm walking out through all this, you know, little aisles with books. And I go to an aisle that has the uh, Latin America. And I was like, all right, cool. This is, this is who I am. Um, I was also rediscovering who I was. And then I grabbed this book. This is the first book I fully read. And it's called Guerrilla Warfare by Che Guevara. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay, this, 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 is, this is, okay, this is dope. I want to do something similar. So I started just to read, read, and take so much information. And then I get a call from one of my friends. My friend said, hey, you can apply for a U visa. And I was like, what is a U visa, yo? And she's like, it's a humanitarian visa that you can apply for and, and get a, a status in this country for three years and eventually you can become a resident and then a citizen within 15 years. And I was like, all right, bet. How much is it? 10 grand. I'm 19 and I was like, I gotta hustle and I gotta not only do it for myself, but also do it for my mom. So I end up getting the money, applying. I get the U visa within six months. Bet, let me get, let me get a job that, to this point I'm like, let me get a job that is successful. I ended up getting a job as an attendance clerk at a school in my community, and I was just working there for a really long time. Eventually, I applied to become a resident. And five years ago, I co-founded a high school in the same area that saw me grow up undocumented, shot, fatherless, and with, with any type of access. I also developed Noche Galactica, that elevates in community. We take a pop-up event. We also have a magazine that shares the story of people in the community. And I take a pop-up event in East Oakland with a lot of people. I appreciate y'all. And I also take a pop-up event in Tokyo, Japan. I took the stories of people in my community to the other side of the world so we can talk about this, this struggle that we all live in. Now I'm in the process of starting a Camino program that supports youth develop their own passions and find their success regardless if they want a four-year degree or you just want to hustle it out. One thing I just want to talk about is that all these pathways and workforce, we've been talking about it. Communities of color have been navigating that space. I don't want the narrative to get hijacked because there's a lot of money coming into people's pockets. Make sure that money goes to the people who are closer to the pain. Again, my name is Pauta Galactico. I stand in front of you without degrees or labels that give me access. I'm here just with my Purepecha. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. My name is Areli, also known as Coach C. And that's C as in Si Se Puede. And you'll be able to see why. I was born in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, when I was two years old, my mother migrated to the States. Uh, she was fleeing from a, an abusive marriage. Culturally, she was to never divorce. Culturally, she was just supposed to take it. And so for us, coming to the States meant freedom. It meant safety. When I was 13 years old, I began to grapple with identity. Not just my cultural identity, but also my gender expression and sexual orientation, too. In school, I was a product 
of the desegregation program in Long Beach in 1990. And that program was supposed to take kids that look like me from my neighborhood into the quote unquote better schools. And that's where I was firsthand able to learn and witness and, and experience how a lack of appropriate community inclusion in schools can cause a disconnect, not only in our home life, but also in our school life. And so in my eyes, I saw that I was living two lives. It was very clear to me that I was living two separate lives. By the time I was a junior in high school, because no one understood my life and the better school that I was in and no one really looked like me in the better school that I was in, my guidance counselor was no longer having conversations with me about college. She had given up. She didn't have the resources. She didn't have the knowledge. She had no idea that people like me existed, to be honest with you. And so instead, she started helping me and having conversations about coming out, which I am grateful for. I'm, I thank her for that. And so she started coaching me on how to come out to my friends and to my peers, and I did, and it felt great. It felt great, it felt great to, to feel a sense of control over my life, because very often it always felt like I had two separate lives that I never even had control of. And so I came out, and it was awesome. And then she started coaching me on how to be able to come out to my mother. You know, we practice I statements, how you feel, give space for her, for your mom to also express how she's feeling. We rehearsed it. I went home and I had the conversation with my mother. I remember this vividly. I said, mommy, soy gay. And before I can even express my I statement, my feeling, or how I came to that, I was being asked to get my things and leave my home. Esta es una casa de Dios, y aquí no se aceptan esas cosas. That's what she said. See, I was being advised by an educational leader based on their perspective. They never took account my two lives. She said, your parents will always love you no matter what. She clearly didn't know my mom. <laughs> Actually, she literally did not know my mom. Like, no one in my school had ever met my mother. I went to school 40 minutes away from my home. No one in the office spoke the language. There was no way for my mom to get to my school without having to catch multiple buses and sacrificing her own work. And so literally, no one had ever met my mother. So there I am, 17, brown human, undocumented, low income, homeless. And wait, I still had to graduate high school. And so the systemic violence for me was that. It was not understanding my culture, not honoring where I was coming from, and not taking into account how this program to diversify schools was causing more harm 
than what it was actually helping. I mean, I think we've all heard it, right? You can take the kid out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the kid. <laughs> you can't. <sighs> See, I was navigating two lives consistently. And so, thanks to that, I've healed. But thanks to those two lives, I've been able to carry that knowledge onto the communities that I work with now. Every single practice that I've ever learned in my 10 years of experience, like restorative justice, or being able to hold difficult conversations, your difficult, I made it an effort to translate the translated. See, we think that entering a document into a Google Translate and translate it into a home language, that's inclusion. And it's not. You have to translate the translated. You have to honor families' cultural beliefs. You have to meet them where they are at. Please stop saying that we have to meet each other halfway because no one, I personally, was not nowhere near halfway. You should meet families where they are at. And you should make an effort to translate the translated so that we can honor where they're coming from. And most importantly, so we can support a student in navigating their best bright life, not two separate entities like your home life and your school life. Yeah, I stand here without degrees, without labels, and through the struggles, but I make it an effort every day of my life to learn a little bit more and to put all my experiences that I've healed, and instead of being a victim, becoming a creator of access points for families and access points for communities. And even if there is no language barrier, doing the hard work of getting to know communities and families and their beliefs, giving the space for them to speak, not always working off of a time clock. I have 30 minutes for this meeting. I'm sorry, but sometimes 30 minutes is not enough. You want families to unpack. We want them to unpack a lifetime of experience in 30 minutes. And we want them to be in our practice. And so lastly, I'll just think, I'll say this. As we navigate as educators, service providers, or mentors or leaders, I encourage us all to think about that and to be intentional when we're advising. And if you don't have all the resources and the tools, reach out. There's a community out there. We're out there to be able to get that and to learn so that we can lead our future youth, our youth now, into their own bright, best life, and their definition of success, not the one that we have been embedded with. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, thank you for listening, y'all. I appreciate y'all, everybody in here. It's nothing but love. Um, as we transition, we have some questions and an open dialogue, and we're going to open the mic if you have any questions um, and kind of give you some tools. We call in T.O.P., Tokens of Power. Um, so you can take back home to your schools. Um, and the first question that I have for, for Aurelia, and we're gonna bounce back and forth, is after high school, like what was your definition of success? Um, thank you. I, I didn't have a definition of success. I think the definition of success was very, very clearly defined for me. I was the eldest in my family. Uh, I was the only one undocumented uh, within my immediate family. And so, 
for me, I was given the picture very clearly of you're going to finish high school, you're going to find a man you can marry, and then you're going to become documented. And then that, preferably a white man, was thrown there. Uh, <laughs> and so for me, that was, that was the success. That was the route, right? Like if I was to be married to a man who was unable to give me documentation, that was success. And then as far as career, it was like, okay, well, you have to work and you have to make money. Um, but hey, if you can be in an office and wear a button-up, uh, uh, like a blouse, then, then you're successful. Like, that's what I want for you. And so for me, um, and no blame to my mother. This is what she knew. This is what she seen. This is what she mimicked. Um, that was, the, that was the, the route that I was given. And so it was a, now I see it was quite a low bar, right? Like, without disrespect to my mother, that was it. Thank you. Thank you for that. For me, before I jump into this conversation, I, I don't want our conversation to come across that we are, like, against college, right? We, we really believe that both of those entities can coexist. People without degrees, people with degrees. It's about, like, opening the playing field, and we believe that that's how we level up the playing field, y'all. Like, open up. If you have access to something, put me in. Open the door. We're going to jump in there. Uh, we just came from Harvard from doing exactly the same similar conversation because someone put us in. So we like in spaces talking about this. Um, after high school for me, I think I was straight up on survival mode. Like I was just grinding out. I was like, I'm gonna just make it happen somehow. I just need to eat. Uh, my mom and I were like displaced from, from the home that we were renting for a while. So I was like, I just need to make moves. Uh, so there was not really a lot of time to me see myself as successful. I was just grinding it out. Um, and it, it's just difficult going back to that space because I'm just thinking like, without the bullet in my leg that I currently still have in there, you remove that and now we'll still be undocumented and like probably navigating in the shadows of like doing work under the table and like navigating, maybe not even here. So the bullet has, it was a big price because that bullet could have missed and hit me somewhere else. Um, but now, three weeks ago, I became a citizen of this country. So I did this 15 years, the whole path. And now I'm in the space where I was like, damn, that bullet was a, was a blessing disguise. And I, I now redefine that as like my success story, you know? Um, but yeah, that was for me the success. Good. I'll ask the next one. Uh, those ideas of success were implanted by who? I think we kind of dabbled in. Yeah, I think dabbled in a little bit. Like, the idea of success, I didn't just come into this country. Like, I come from Urapa, Michoacan, Mexico, a uh, really small town. Uh, and growing up, my dad would come to this country and then go back home. And then he always talk about money. Like, oh, this is how much money I made. This is how much dollars I have. And I was like, all right, success equates to, like, how much money you have. Um, but the more I learned coming to this country and sitting with myself and reading a lot of bell hooks, uh, I realized that you have to really find love within yourself and find, and find success in that, and everything else is going to open up, and that's how we ended up up here, you know? So just believing in your story and leaning on that all the time, 100%, back to back, shout out to Drake, um, making that happen. So that was for me the thing. Right on. Is there a point where in which it pivot, your definition of success? Yeah, I think it pivoted right around when I was like 21 or so, when I was like, oh, there is a way. Like when my homie came and be like, you can get a visa. I was like, oh, there's a way. All bets to the side. Like, I'm going for that. I'm hungry. Uh, and I realized that the more I ate, the stronger I got. And I was just like, let's make this happen. What about for you? 
Yeah, for me it was, uh, so I worked in a middle school, yep. uh, no longer open, but I was the dean of a middle school. I was a teacher, I was a PE teacher there. They loved how I, just my school, cult, my classroom culture, uh, it was like, how do you make kids do things that they don't want to do? And so it's like relationship, I connect, <laughs> I talk to them, I know every single one of them. Uh, and so off of that, um, off of seeing that and demonstrating that, uh, and really just, just kicking that opportunity out the field, uh, I became a dean of the middle school. And there, I started to learn about restorative justice, and I started to hear these jargon, like critical thinking, innovation, ingenuity. And I, as I was thinking it, and hearing it, and, and again, in my practice of translating the translated, I was like, hold on, this is hustle. <laughs> right? Like, we, this is exactly what happens in the streets. This is hustle, hustle. Right? We, we, survival, ingenuity, creation, creativity, culture, soul. Like, th this is what that is. I believe we just coined it hustle so that we can divorce all the systemic violence. So that we can, all of our experiences within those four walls of the building, we can, we didn't have to tie it to that. But we continued. And that's when I realized that the definition of success really pivoted for me. That's when I actually stopped trying to chase a bachelor's degree, honestly. Every single space that I stepped in, I blow it out the field, in the classroom, as a dean, then as an administrator running a program because we were schoolless, because the city was taking our building. And so I started to really see that wait a minute, I'm, I'm coaching the folks with the masters, right? Like, and no disrespect to them, but I'm coaching. I'm out here, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm creating and developing and facilitating PDs for them. And then I get asked, oh, but you don't have them. Oh, wait, you don't have your bachelors? That microaggression, pretty, pretty macro to me. Uh, and so, that's when I realized, like, wait, I'm trying to chase something in a system that was originally not created for me. I'm seeing it within our own four walls. Like, why am I chasing the wrong thing when I can continue to develop and empower youth through my story, through honoring their story, and through honoring their experiences? And so that's really when it pivoted for me. That's when I stopped chasing something that was not meant for me and was not created for me. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, give me some, give me some snaps, give me some claps. We, we need some Thank energy you. in the building. Uh, the next question is, uh, and we're gonna pivot into questions. If y'all have questions, uh, you, can, you can jump into the mic in a bit. But um, the next question is, what impact did the traditional definition of success have on how you pursue your passions? Yeah, I, identity, man, it was so hard. It was so hard because like, uh, one, I was healing my relationship with my mother I didn't, I didn't, we didn't speak for seven years. And so until we did the work, she did her work and I did mine, was it, was when I was starting to heal. And so I think I couldn't really tap into my passions or allow, I knew I loved to write. I knew I, I'd love to speak, I love to help people in a way of like inspirational, right? I, I knew these things that I really 
that brought joy and fulfillment in my life. However, I wasn't in a space to explore them, right? I had a, a definition of success being plugged into the spaces that I was in that I was already knocking out the park. Uh, I had people continuously, I had to take the microaggressions consistently and continuously and being discredited every time, right? Uh, even though, again, the terms and, and, the, and the practices are continuously being hijacked, we're still being discredited and gaslighted. And so I'm navigating all that. And so it wasn't until most uh, recently where I, I kind of had the similar conversation that you had that I'm like, Areli, like, si se puede, you've done this. Like, why are we chasing, why are, we, why, why are you chasing something that's, not, again, not meant for you? And so it really started to tap into my passions. Um, and so for me, I think it was a little shift, right? Like, it was not necessarily that, that I wasn't able to tap into my passion because I was chasing a thing of success. It was just that because of this term of success that I was given, I had to grapple with my identity, cultural, sexual, gender expression, belonging, and then be able to actually see that my passions were a gift. Thank you, thank you. Um, let's go to the last one. I feel like I touched on, the, on, the, on that one a little bit. Success today, what does it mean? Uh, I'm gonna jump on that one real quick. Um, I've, been, I've been an educator for 12 years and I kind of done it all from attendance to para to supporting in the cafeteria to a dean to administrator like the whole enchilada, right? Like the whole thing. And I have noticed that education is a, it's a powerful tool inside and outside of the four walls of the institution. Um, but then I, I realized that a lot of what happens in the schools when we are so busy is that we are continuing to, to leave out those students who are closer to the pain again. Like we continue to do that. So what success looks like to me is, is giving folks who are in similar situations, like my younger self, the blueprint that I have come across and, and built of like, this is how you finesse the system. This is how you make it happen. But it's on you to make that decision. Maybe you are 17, 18, and you realize that you want to make that transition. That's what success looks like for me. Given this legacy, this, this how to do things in, in this world, uh, without degrees, to transition and, and really take ownership of your passions. Um, something that really resonates with me, like being an artist really helped me a lot with my mental health through this process. Um, we, I feel like a lot of times we talk about art <laughs> very like abstract and we're gonna talk about like how much an impact it helps you with your mental health. For me, it was definitely the reason why I'm here today, like writing a lot, making music, uh, that brings me a lot of success and I feel like that success for me has opened many doors. Um, and I just don't want to say that this is only our story. There's a lot of stories similar like us, different than us, people navigating life without degrees out there. Um, and if you know somebody, if you are one of them, um, share your story, you know, open space for yourself. Because the more we talk about it, the more we normalize this thing. Because growing up, it was like a taboo. The moment I like told people, oh, I don't have a degree, it would shut me down and not really talk to me about it. But I feel like it's, it's the time to flex, make that happen, and elevate in community. Yeah, success today. Um, I'll speak for what just the experiences that I've been having this year, and that's sitting in discomfort. 
and allowing others to sit in discomfort as well. It's knowing, uh, being okay with no immediate conclusion or fixture, because it isn't. For many years, our ancestors have been doing what they have done in order for us to be here. And so today, what it looks like for me is giving that space to families um, in all the realms, whether it's in attendance of why, why we are not showing up. I hold the space for families to be able to transparently speak to administrators and to those leaders, and I put them in uncomfortable positions to listen. Of why? Why is it that we do not feel safe in a building that's meant for us to feel safe? Right? It's not the building, it's not the security guard outside. It's the people who see us every day for what they want us to, see, to look like, not for what we really are. And so today's success for me is definitely holding that space for parents. It's letting them really share where they're coming from and then having the difficult conversations sometimes of like, okay, I, I hear you. And how are we gonna move forward? How are we gonna get your student or yourself in a position so that you no longer have to survive and you can start thriving? Success today means showing up authentically. You know, we're asked to show up authentically in our spaces all the time, but I think we can say that we're, we're, we can show up authentically up until we make everyone else feel uncomfortable, right? Like, once we, once we hit the, uh, now it's like, wait a minute, uh, actually, can you provide your feedback in an email? <laughs> right? And so it's, it's not budging. It's not budging. It's pushing. It's consistently questioning. It's using the knowledge that I've gained from my two lives, one, the school life, and then later led into as an educator inside those walls, and to also remembering where I came from and consistently connecting with community. I don't, for me, I feel like I don't have an actual clock to my, like nine to five, right? Like it's just, it is what it is when, the, when you catch me. I actually live in the community uh, in which we teach and where we work. And so when we run into each other, I don't, I don't build this divide, right? Like boundaries, yes, boundaries, but also honoring and, and saying, you're trusting me with your youth. You're trusting me with your how to navigate your life. And so I honor that and I take it far beyond just my contract. Self-care is important. And also our students and sometimes our parents don't even have the space or the capacity to self-care for themselves. And so when we show up and we speak the jargons and we, and we drop the wokeness, I call it being woke but in bed, <laughs> right? We're like, libertad, revolucion, tweet, 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 tweet. But when it's time to actually do the work, oh, self-care, my day ends at four, right? No disrespect for those of you who really take that on. You take on your needs as you need them. But it's recognizing that that doesn't stop. Thank you, thank you for that. Uh, we're gonna open the, the mic if you, if you wanna line up, if you have a question, anything that you wanna share with us, uh, even a shout out, a comment, appreciations, we love that. Um, I wanna end with, with some tools that helped me navigate as I was younger. Um, 
and also share a story from a former student um, who, yeah, I will share that story really quick. Uh, I got permission. Um, so growing up, I, I listened to a lot of Tupac, Shakur, um, and I would watch a lot of his documentaries. And in, in one of his interviews, he said, I used to knock, we talk about this. Yeah. I used to knock the door. Feed us. Yeah, feed us, right? And then he started just kicking the door, slamming the door until they opened the door. That gave me so much motivation to keep going in life. And then when I started doing the work in education, we from Oakland, <laughs> so I learned about Huey Newton. He talks about revolutionary suicide. I feel like we are in this moment in education especially with the mental health crisis that is going on, that at times it feels like you are giving it all, you are burnt out. And what helps me stay in the work and continue to find different ways to find success for kids is that quote that I truly believe in is like revolutionary suicide. I'm gonna be there until at least one of them gets to that next stage and carries the torch. I spoke to one of my students, this is a, last year, um, the student graduated from, from high school, Latitude High, um, and the student was grappling with the idea of, like, it's college for me. And one day, one of the teachers asked the student, are you going to college? And the kid was like, I don't know. And you can tell his demeanor just shut down. He's like, I don't know. At this point, I'm the dean of students, so I go outside and I ask him, hey, are you going to college? And he said, no. Martinez, that's why they call me. Martinez, it's not that I don't want to go to college. It's that right now what my family needs is for me to go find a job and help him pay the rent. A lot of times we tell the student what we know without knowing what's going on outside the school gates. We got to be super connected with the community and the family so we can work in community because if not, the alignment is not there and we are creating more harm than to be helpful for that. It's my belief. Again, we are speaking from my statements. This is what we navigate. This is what we do here. Um, everybody, you know, might have their opinion. Uh, this is Noche Galactica. Once again, if you have a question, shout out, get in the mic, talk to us. You know, it's, it's all good. It's all love. Um, any questions that you, you might have? Anything you want to add before we wrap it up? Um. Yeah, no, definitely connect with us. Uh, I, I particularly, uh, one of my big passions is, again, translating the translated. And so how to hold a restorative conversation in which you honor families, right? It's like a lot of the practices that we are taught in the buildings uh, that we work in are also, they can be translated. And so that's just that extra step, right? And so thinking about how, how you hold those difficult conversations, how you bring families together to be able to um, understand their definition of success and very often start the conversation. Yep. Like I, I, uh, I'm bilingual and so I've been in many, many conferences translating like I'm, I'm that person, right? From back to back to back to back translations. And it's, I see it very often in which like, oh, what are your aspirations for your student? You know, and, and then it's like the family is like, sometimes I feel they, they have a face of outcastness in that moment. Like, I've never even thought about that. Like, I haven't even thought about what does that look like for me. And so uh, 
all that to say, just definitely connect with us if there's ever any, any specific situation that you kind of want to talk about or talk through so that we can, um, we can guide you in the right direction to be able to honor them and also get them into the right path that's, that's for them. Okay, thank you. Uh, just for me, the next stage of my life is starting Camino program, Find Your Path. Um, I'm really doubling down on that. Um, I've been telling people that I was a dishwasher. It was a, it was a job. I'm not afraid to go back there because I truly believe that this program would change people's life in my community, especially those students from 16 to 24. Uh, and after this pandemic, you already know that educational gap is why, why, why. Okay, so making sure that we are giving access now, success, financial stability for the folks that need it the most. Uh, yeah, any questions, jump into the mic. We are happy to, to have you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hi, my name is Lisette Lara Anhin, and um, I'm from McLennan Community College. I'm a peer mentor at our college as well as these four. Hey, shout out to the students. <laughs> so our college is primarily Hispanic students. So I had a question. Um, we sit in a learning framework class and we engage with them. And our mission is to kind of introduce them to college and all the resources that our college has to offer. I did notice that there is many Hispanic students in our, in our classrooms. So my question is to you is, with the power of our position we have, how do you recommend us to engage with Hispanic students to feel included in our college, and how can we help them? Hey, that's, that's a real question. Um, honestly, I... I I think like getting to know them one-on-one, uh, -on -one, like knowing their stories, and also like I love creating like visuals with kids. Uh, it's like a timeline of like where is it that you want to be at, right? And, and asking from a very like non-judgmental place of like what is your destination? Because uh, it's going to look like the image we had earlier, like scribble up. It's like let me help you map it out, right? And also if you are going to be for, there for that student for a year, a couple months, whatever, like being super transparent of like, this is the time span that I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna be riding with you. And that way it gives a sense of, of confidence because a lot of times growing up myself, navigating the college, I felt super alone. Like I had no one to go to because I felt scared that mm -hmm. if they find out I'm undocumented X, Y, Z, I, don't, I can't trust them. So building that trust, it will, it will pay dividends. That's my take. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely tapping in. To, to their beliefs, where they see themselves. Um, and, and I think definitely, definitely always that reinforcement of, of you have a network, you know, them having a team. Um, and when things come up, you know, feel free and comfortable to talk to us about it as, as the people in that position um, so that I can best plug you in. And I, I wanna give you a, a, a book. I think anyone should definitely read this book. Um, it's called Creative Hustle. And there's, um, it shares about how to ideally build your creativity and your passions into an actual, you know, into your reaching your goals. But when I read that book, I really, I really thought about, huh, this is, this is how we hold conversations, right? When I speak to students or families that I culturally don't relate to or we don't have the similar background, I, I, I do that practice. And if you've read the book, you know, it's like positions, right? And so it's like, where are your passions? Your, your principles, your peoples, and where are your goals? And so I actually use that 
to have a conversation with the other person to hear where they are at. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's difficult for them to pinpoint what are my gifts, what are my goals, and who are the people that I can lean into. And so I, I highly recommend reading that book and using the practice for what it is, but also seeing how you can implement that in the work that you do. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you, thank okay. you. Hi, um, I'm Ricky. I'm an associate director at a career development center at the university in Massachusetts, um, WPI. And what I found really interesting is that the conversation that you're talking about having like in high schools, I'm having those with people who are in the process or have just wrapped up a four-year degree and now they're thinking about what success means to them. We've been thinking a lot on campus about it because we had an incredibly hard year mental health-wise on campus mm -hmm. last year, and that whole definition of success, where it's measured in a lot of colleges based on first destination survey from NACE and all these numbers, mm -hmm. and that, it doesn't tell the story. Um, and the administration is maybe starting to see that. Um, but what do you, what advice do you have for having that conversation at that point where now people are like, did this even, what I just spent four years on, does that even align with where I might go, or they're just starting to think about it. Mm. Thank you, thank you for your question. Yeah, and thank you for naming that. We definitely, uh, we, we saw that. We see that in our, in our colleagues, people we work with. Um, yeah, let me, let me just clarify in question. You, you're asking about how to have the conversation with the individual themselves that are just seeing it, or having the conversation with the admin who are like, mm, maybe. So, I think I, I have more power with the individuals. Um, I do have power with the admin as well, but I think in those conversations with individuals, especially because some of the stuff that comes up is, especially for our first generation students, is they go, well, my, my parents said the engineering was gonna do good things. Like, and they get to that point, they might be like, okay, should I go to grad school? It's like, well, well why? And they're like, because I'm gonna make more money. That's not necessarily true, but also, does it even make sense? But they only know that, you know, the, the prescribed, that you know, straight path. So really about having the conversation with them, but it's tricky because there are all those various needs, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I, I, can, I, can, I can jump in if that's okay. okay. I, I do an exercise with, with my kids and they're in high school, right? But I think I tell them every decision you're gonna make is a decision that is gonna come back to you Right, mm -hmm. so we usually do like a like a like a bubble map, and then I have them reflect on like where is it that you want to go, uh, and they talk about X Y Z, and then we go down the line of like this is what needs to happen and create a series of like steps, mm -hmm. and that helps them identify like oh maybe it's not the path I want to go. Now doing it with adults, I can just imagine they are in this peak of their life, right, <laughs> after a four-year degree, saying oh. Now I have this, now what do I do? But then a lot of conversations that I've been having too is that my parents wanted me to have this, to have mm -hmm. access. And now I don't know if this is what I want to do. And they end up transitioning into the path that they wanted. They wanted to be an artist. They wanted to pursue something completely different. And I feel like what has helped me have those conversations with folks like, hey, that's okay. That is your journey. And from now on, you just gotta start making decisions and taking ownership of your direction, right? It sounds cliche and very like holistic, but I think that really helps people just ground themselves and do a lot of the internal work. Because this whole time you'd be navigating the life that maybe wasn't for you or you didn't want to have. 
Yeah, I think about uh, the magazine. Yeah. No, uh, what's your story? So, so we we are all stars in this galaxy, right? Like we are all stars of our own of our own life, and it was uh, it was owning my story, and I think sometimes we are so we are given the narrative of success that we just look ahead, we just look at the north star, but we don't sometimes pause to actually see where we've been, where we come from. And maybe did I miss something there, right? Uh, there's there's a, 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 a saying in Spanish that says like, árbol sin raíz no crece, meaning you know roots, you can't grow. Mm -hmm. And so where are your roots, right? Like wh where are you planting your roots? And what does that mean for you? So again, yeah, it is, it is a holistic aspect, but we need that, um, especially I, seeing some of my family members in a foreign country and seeing how they they live very very in tune with who they are sometimes i felt jealous for that because here it's like it's a, it's a it's a grind always forward moving forward and what's next and what's next and so i heard this quote when we were at harvard and man can you stop to think that maybe our ancestors all they wanted was rest <laughs> To me, that was like, wow, I'm sitting here, we're pushing, we're pushing to honor our ancestors, to honor our parents in the path that they wanted. And sometimes we have to pause and think about that maybe all they ever wanted was rest. Thank you yeah. so much. Well, thank you. Shout out, shout out. Thank you, thank you. Hello. Um, I'm one of also the peer mentors at McLennan Community College. I just want to say that your stories were absolutely incredible. And out of the, all the sessions, I was here yesterday and today, out of all the sessions, this is far, far the most relatable. Uh, just because, yeah, um, just because uh, that my mother, she migrated to the USA when she was 19, nine months pregnant with my older brother. and. I also came from like a low-income community as well, a low-income family. And so now that I'm here as a peer mentor and seeing and helping kids who is just like me, who, uh, who are coming from, just want to have a better life for themselves, it's really inspiring to see other people who, who also likes to, likes to do that. Um, so one of my questions is uh, what can colleges and universities uh, implement uh, for helping lower incomes slash first generation students getting an easier access to colleges? Yeah. Um, I think you named it right. Yeah. We often see, uh, and this is no disrespect to anything, uh, this is just my truth. Um, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of organizations are give. there's money out there, right? We talked to someone who said, my job is to get rid of five million in a month. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like that's, that, that, those are good problems to me. And so uh, putting the people who have the privilege and the power to show up in those spaces, centering them into what the, out, what the outcomes we want for the university, for the space or for the program, and bringing that bag to the people who truly, truly are going through it. And sometimes those are big conversations that maybe are far beyond your pay rate or your actual access or privilege. But honing in on those people, 
right? I, I usually kind of lean into the people who, who call themselves woke, and that's who I, I'm like, okay, we're woke, we're gonna do this. <laughs> Let's do this, Let's do this, right? And so oftentimes I see in universities um, and in colleges talk about like FAFSA and loans and you're taking a loan class and you, all these things that are just continue to have you in that circle. And so how to start having conversations that are outside of that debt circle, yeah. right? There's money out there to have. And so who is the appropriate person and the appropriate uh, access and privilege that can go and get that and bring it to the people who truly need it? Um, and so something to think about. Yeah, for me, for, first of all, thank you for coming to the mic. I appreciate the love and the respect that it gives to us. Keep doing your work, um, and we're here to support you, okay? We got five minutes. I just got the call, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you real quick. Um, myself, I, I tried to community college, Pat, and I'm sitting like at eight, eight credits, right? Um, I'm, they still tag me as an English learner. Uh, because back when I was in, in school, I didn't pass the cell tests. <laughs> but my English seems pretty good, right? <laughs> um, so when you name what can community colleges do, I, I think just, just look at your prereqs. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's talk about prereqs. Like, why are we adding extra layers to classes that maybe some people already, like, naturally already have, you know? And how can we give you some of that credit? to transition faster if we want to make sure people are getting their BAs, MAs, PhDs, pedigree, all, all the stuff, right? Like, open that door. Why are you gatekeeping, right? That would be my, my biggest feedback for, for the community colleges. Amazing answer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Let's talk about just contacts and where we can find us. Yeah, definitely. We'll get there. Um, we're definitely going to stick around if anyone wants to have any conversations or definitely share any feedback or anything that really resonated with you. Um, our contact is there. Um, we're very, very, very active in the community. Uh, so if you ever want to visit the Bay and kind of uh, get a lens of what we do um, or who we do it for, we, we welcome you. Yeah. Once again, this is Noche Galactica. I'm Poeta Galactico. And I'm Areli, a.k.a. Coach C. And this episode was called Redefining Success in Austin, Texas. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks.